Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. Yes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fulfilling Work Live. Um, I think that my next goal is to figure out a better background. (laughs) (laughs) I am usually like I'm stuck in my kitchen area and it's usually it's a mess um you can see that i hardwire in my internet because it doesn't work half the time (laughs) um and there's yeah it's there's a stash of cookies on that side which you can't see but i need a new background um anyways uh thank you so much for joining us on this episode of fulfilling work live we have lex tuning in from London, I believe, or somewhere in the UK. Birmingham in the UK. Birmingham. Awesome. And um, yes, tuning in from Birmingham. And would you like to start off by introducing yourself? Sure. Well, first of all, morning, afternoon, evening, depending where you are in the world. Um, I'm based in the UK. So for me, it's nice and three o'clock in the afternoon. So nearly time to clock off. And as I've been said, my name is Lex Guzowski and I'm the founder of Human PM, which is my kind of one-man band um, consulting agency where I use my project and product management background to help organizations um, develop people-focused cultures, uh, company cultures, so that they can work effective and efficiently um, as possible. How did you, um, or when did you start Human PM, why'd you start, why'd you divert to this? Uh, Human PM officially uh, became a thing about two and a half years ago. So I've been working in either project or product management for probably about seven years in different industries and different capacities. And one thing I always always found is that the success of any project uh, or product for that matter is actually not budgets and spreadsheets and timescales, but it is the the human element of the project itself. because you have to manage uh, people's um, emotions, anxieties, fears, and everything else. And that's what really creates a team. Um, and only then I think you can say that a project is truly successful when you have that, even when it's delivered on time. Uh, and I've only gone, and it's always been a side uh, activity for me. So I've been working ad hoc with, with different companies, a bit of freelancer, as I maintained a full-time job. Uh, but I think I went full-time towards the end of last year. Uh, where I've, I've dedicated and I'll dedicate time fully just to human PM. Got it. Got it. So um, we, we, or oh, I reached out to Lex and asked him to come on the show because I'm interested in hearing about if with the start of the pandemic, anything has changed or really heightened in the, um, in the sense or in the field of emotional intelligence, as in like the importance of it, during times as such for when you are trying to, you know, lead and maybe regroup or reshape your team, your priorities and your business's needs. What have you noticed so far? Has there been anything um, significant within like the importance of human, I mean, uh, emotional intelligence um, and people asking you questions, perhaps there's mm-hmm. there been any, um, anything you've noticed? Uh, yes, I have. And actually, I've noticed a scary bit that I don't think we have actually put enough 
focus on emotional intelligence when it comes to it. So emotional intelligence itself is very, very important um, in day-to-day -day work and no matter what type of work you do, because we moved uh, over centuries from, uh, well, not centuries, but over decades from being pretty much based in factories and doing manual physical labor. And then we went into offices where you, and these two are completely different. You need two different skill sets. You've gone from using muscles to, to do your work um, to having to be creative and problem solve and focused. So when you needed muscles, um, you could have had, you know, problems at home. You could have hated your boss, but you basically, you still turned up, done a shift and you were capable of doing your job to a relatively good standard. When you move into an office, you don't have that anymore because we need all kinds of different skills. And when those skills are impacted by what is going on in our lives in and outside of work, and now the, the quality of work that we produce is very much linked to our emotional and psychological well-being. Um, that being said, with the start of the pandemic, um, we have been put not only into a new way of working when where we don't have the support network of our colleagues in the office, but also we have a massive element of uncertainty and stress as a result, because no one knows what's going on. We all uh, have our basic instincts of, of being afraid for our livelihoods from a health perspective, because you know, we might get ill, we don't know what's going on. The media obviously is doing um, a lot of uh, work, let's say, um, in unfortunately a bit of scaremongering. It's not as bad as I thought it would be, but still there is an element that it's constantly a fear factor. Uh, not to mention the certainty, uh, uncertainty of the job market. So I believe that I don't think companies actually put enough attention to that. And uh, quite understandably, a lot of people, but also organizations have sort of, my feeling is been holding their breath, thinking, you know what, this is a temporary thing, two, three weeks, a month max, this will blow over. What we're learning now, this is not happening. This will take more more time to level off first of all when we go back to offices uh, but also we're going to have to deal with the emotional uh, and economic aftermath of everything that's going on and i actually was reading an article this morning of the, one of the first that i've seen where uh, it was talking about the toll that it's taken on people who have kids who are parents at home so we, let's say in the uk we've been locked down in quarantine for four weeks and only now it's emerging that uh, parents are struggling it's a lot of stress because you know you've got work you've got responsibilities you have to kids to look after because the schools in the uk are closed uh, so i think companies haven't actually done enough or we in general haven't done enough um to say listen what what, what do we need from an emotional point of view uh, so i did have discussions I did have people asking questions of you know if, um, i've had a couple of situations where managers were being basically put in between a rock and hard place. So uh, they, on one hand, were being asked by employees, listen, what does this mean? What's going on? What, what job security and, and work and everything else. And on the other side, on the other side, they had the board of directors or, or the, the C-suite kind of giving them lack of information. And what, what do you do? How do you handle that situation? And my advice has always been just be transparent, be honest, don't make false promises because that's not what they're expecting, but just they're looking, your people are looking for reassurance from you um, of what's going on. So the only thing you can do is be as transparent as possible in the whole situation. So like, I totally agree with that. I think currently um, I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who are working in office jobs or working in, um, companies that are not properly or haven't been properly set up for remote or would have never been set up for remote and then the pandemic happened. So there have been 
tons of you know layoffs or temporary layoffs and tons of um, emotions flying high and it's it's been I think from my contacts they have taken it kind of um with a new perspective such as like okay you know this has happened I've been laid off but this is I've been um I'm going to try to see it as a change a, a new chapter in my life and I will um, focus my energies in something else and stuff, but I also know that it's a very, perhaps not, I mean, not a lot of people can have that kind of um, perspective on it, you know, mm -hmm. depending on who you are in the world and depending on your living situation, like you might've been depending on that next paycheck to pay your rent and whatnot. So it, it's, it's difficult to, um, I find, I mean, I find the entire situation really difficult to gauge and, I think that the one thing that we can all kind of bond over is just, yes, the, the transparency and the honesty and the empathy that we can give to other people who are in situations as such too. Um, so it's great that you focus or you, you have um, such a big focus on the emotional sides of things with businesses. And um, something else that I wanted to ask as well is, do you currently, um, have you answered any questions from clients or people that have, um, ask you anything specific in terms of their own situations? And could you talk about any of that if it's not confidential? I can I can give you a, a bit of a, a digest of a couple of conversations that I had. So I've, I've mentioned the one where managers and leaders are being asked difficult questions on how to handle it. Um, mm. This highlights uh, to me a, a, a thing that we often don't do again as well, is managers are put into uh, into that those roles because they are they were good at doing their job so they've been elevated a level higher um, from a kind of technical skill of carrying out their jobs but very often we miss out the element of uh, training them from a human perspective of how to look after their employees and what to do and that does involve emotional intelligence um, because it takes a lot of self-awareness to be empathetic um, you know, it takes a lot of skill, again, self-awareness when it comes to communication and being able to articulate yourself uh, very well enough to be transparent and to be able to convey what's going on. But you need to know what's going on. Because the, the thing with leaders and managers, they are equally scared mm -hmm. as their employees. They are, but, but with the added uh, bonus, if you will, of having to look after other people. So that's the, that's probably the biggest part that I've been asked. The other ones are more around they're kind of skirting around emotional intelligence, if if you will, because they more focus on how do we move to remote work and what do we need to do, what tools do we use, and so on. Um, all they're all very important questions of how you adapt your processes and everything else, but they they focus on the tangible. Emotional intelligence is tricky. Uh, but vital. The reason it's tricky is because it's not tangible. We don't know what it means exactly and, and how do we tackle it. It's an uncomfortable uh, topic because, you know, you have to probably touch a lot of things in, inside your psyche to, to be able to understand yourself better than other people as a result. And it does take time. It does take time and to, to develop. So we have we have to put these things into place. So I work with uh, both individual leaders, but also run uh, group workshops within organizations to help them with that. So, so we, we build through, uh, we work through a workshop to build that, first of all, awareness of what emotional intelligence is and how it kind of 
shows itself up because we it's actually very difficult to define as as such uh, i think the easiest way of looking at emotional intelligence that's is anything that helps you to connect with the person in front of you in a human way and the, the funny thing is with uh, especially when it comes to communication which can be classed as soft skill but i would class it and put it in the emotional intelligence bracket as well because we have put satellites in space we've wired you know the the world with fiber optic cables and you and i can communicate fantastically although we're on different continents which is amazing um but communicate we're still very bad at communicating simple reason is the worst type of communication the, the, the worst way of communication that we are is when we're in the same with the person in the same room because we just don't know how to relate and that requires a lot of effort on our side uh, to to be able to do that do you, by any chance, have any, I don't know, like tips or tricks into how to better kind of assess where you as a person are at in terms of your emotional intelligence? Like, are there things that I can do or, you know, materials that I can check out or quizzes mm -hmm. or something that I can see where, where I'm at to like kind of reevaluate where I, where I am? Mm -hmm. I just said that five times. Sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Uh, my my go-to uh, resource. Uh, I don't. I'm sure they must have some sort of tests and whatever. But they're they're basically a wealth of knowledge. It's an organisation called the School of Life, and they are uh, they are based in London, uh, but they they've got little kind of subsidiaries and offices around the world. Um, they are a fantastic resource, both through their website and the materials they produce. And also, uh, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel where they do a lot of videos, but their website is amazing as well. But you can buy stuff. And actually, I've got a book from, of theirs, which is literally called The Emotional Intelligent Office 20 Key Emotional Skills for the Workplace. So that, this is a very good emotional read. But what I found interesting about this book, it actually doesn't talk about the workplace at, 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 as much because it focuses on emotional skills as a whole, because you can't really separate the two. We, are, we, we talk about work-life balance, and the fact mm -hmm. is work and life are not opposing forces. So it's a, it's a relatively poor um, analogy, if you will, because it's all part of the whole. So we need to make sure how it all works together. And emotional skills work the same way. We can be great communicators at work. If we are great communicators at work, we will be great communicators at home. So School of Life is definitely, definitely a good resource uh, base for all sorts of things. Um, okay. From other tools uh you know what you put me on the spot here what i'll do i'll have a thing and i'll i'll send you um, a list afterwards of things that i i think you you it's worth checking out and you can distribute to everybody listening sounds good um to everybody i put a link for the school of life which is just found on the chat if you guys like to check it out i know i will also be checking it out um but that's that's awesome right now i have i accidentally well i don't not accidentally but i have this tab open for um Ikea just released their recipe for their Swedish meatballs. And it just threw me on a loop because I just opened that tab again. But <laughs> anyways, regardless, no, that, that's, that's awesome. And um, if anything, I think that I need to definitely take that or, or like reevaluate where I am at with my in emotional intelligence as well. Like um, I like to think that I am a good team player and I like listen to my team and what concerns they have to, you know, get, get the job done and whatnot. But sometimes I do feel like I personally 
you know, it's, I'm just hearing or hearing and I'm just like, it's kind of going like in one ear and out the other. And I'm having troubles kind of fully empathizing or fully putting myself in their shoes because perhaps like there's a lot of other things happening in my life and whatnot, but I, I am trying to be more cautious, conscious about it as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I guess what, it doesn't help, but it's just, we're all in the same situation right now. We're in the mm-hmm. same boat. This is happening to everybody in the world and there's no better time to show like your empathy and no better time to be understanding for your teammates, for whoever, your colleagues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a pretty important topic and it's important to bring to light, especially if you think that we're still lacking and we're still having troubles communicating. And like, this is this is not, unfortunately, it is not the time to be having those troubles because it's the most crucial times. And if we can get through this and take the skills that we've learned from it, and I just think that it'll be better. It'll help um, as we get through the the pandemic and it'll help workplaces in the future and what we do in the future and maybe you know the future of work is remote it's remote now but can we stay remote those mm-hmm. are other things that all play a part in yeah. this in what i'm wondering about um but yeah like so another question that i had um is also actually to the attendees if you guys have any questions please feel free to pop them in the chat anytime if you have anything um Lex is here until for the next half an hour I think can't really yeah 27 minutes to answer anything so please feel free to pop it down in the chat um and I guess uh moving on I wanted to ask you about how you are doing how, how's it been in Birmingham how's it been for you um the situation in the UK has been uh, it's it's sta- it's stabilizing. So as as I said, we've been in lockdown for nearly four weeks, uh, just gone four weeks, and it's been extended last week for another three. Um, Boris Johnson, our prime minister, has actually suffered from coronavirus and is still recovering, so we haven't seen him. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's been it, life has changed. That's for sure. Um, it's less busy. Um, coffee shops and, to my biggest despair, gyms are closed, so I can't go and train. That's my way of um, relaxing um, outside Mm. of what I do and you know it's things like that that will impact us most of all is we don't have our usual ways of dealing with stress and Mm. anxiety in our lives that's all been taken away because we're confined to the four walls of our homes and um, some people relax in a healthy way some people do it in an unhealthy way by using distractions of going out with people constantly and actually not addressing the issues that they've got going on in terms of stress and anxiety in their lives. So that's just made to magnify the issue uh, even further than we're facing. Situation in, uh, in the UK, I say, is it's stabilizing. So uh, we're hoping that in a couple of weeks' time, they will start loosening up the, the regulations in terms of what we can and cannot do. Uh, for me personally, it's, it's been very much up and down. I'll be, I'll be honest, um, when it also all was kicking off, it, it was it was very stressful. I thankfully uh, only have to look after myself. So I don't have a family that would add an additional level of, of stress because I have to provide for somebody else and also look after and ensure their safety. But it was hard enough at times because, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how the, the, the world is going to look after all of this in terms of employability, in terms of opportunities for, for, for clients and for work and, and whatnot. So... 
uh, it's you know it's I can I, I'm aware of what's going on. It's still I was sim- I was simply put afraid, and every now and again I still am. So it kind of comes in waves. You mentioned about developing your emotional uh, awareness and emotional skills. I think by what you by what you said that shows to me that you've already on the you are on the right track and you've got quite a lot of it because you're capable of talking. Of it. You you're aware of what's going on. So emotional intelligence for me first of all always starts with self awareness. It's what's going on with you because that's how it works. It's not external. It's us. And it goes out externally how it how it impacts us and and it is a great deal of vulnerability so it's basically turn you know putting your hand up and saying listen i'm i'm afraid i'm i'm scared of what's going on because it's uncertain and it, it's it's anxious it's causing me anxiety and i'm losing sleep or whatever and having that uh, understanding and faith by the people that they will kind of go listen i'm going through the same so that's that's what empathy really is before I pop in, because we have a question from the audience, I just want to say that I can, I admit that this has been very hard because like you, I haven't been able to do the things that I usually do. So I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is not mm-hmm. the time to practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because of how close you can get to a person and how much sweat drops into the person's mouth and whatever. So this is not the time for it, but it is my like number one way of de-stressing and um, just... I've gone over a month without it now, and I, like, frankly, don't feel great about it. And yeah. having to resort to things like, like running, I just, <laughs> I hate running. I'm sorry. I just like I can't do things like that. And I, I, like, I, I, so that's been something that's tough. And I know it's it's funny because I have friends who are trying to stuff pillows and create another human to practice with, but it's not the same because it's a pillow. It's not going to react. <laughs> Um, but that's, I, I admit it, it, it has been hard. Um, you can see, we've got a question. If you, yeah. I can read it out. Um, do you want to read it out so everybody else can hear yeah. so we know what, or they know what we're answering? It is from Katushka. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. Um, they ask, what do you think will be the focus um, for talent managers in terms of talent development of employees during a scenario which we keep um, the rest of the year coming in and out of quarantine slash remote work and how emotional intelligence will be important for this? That is a very, very good question. Um, I think talent managers, sorry, I'm still glancing at the question to make sure I, I answer it correctly. Um, I think talent managers will have a, a, a busy time uh, with everything that's going to be going on because there will be um, a lot of people applying for not as many jobs as they would normally. But unfortunately, there will be an economic impact of what's happening. Um, in terms of emotional intelligence, how we work in quarantine, again, coming out of it is all about you know, managing the, the uncertainty of the situation. And we will have to look at um, not just soft skills and, and experience with, with that, that our candidates have, but also their capability of dealing with that. One thing I would s- suggest to talent managers, because I know I will be recommending that question to any of my friends or anyone who asks me, because often you have, you, you've got the opportunity to ask questions from a candidate perspective, uh, to, the, to ask the, the organization, a question of or the, the interviewing panel a question and my question suggestion will be is to ask the company how they handled the coronavirus situation from a people's perspective 
because that will be important. That will show the measure of what the company stands for and how they manage their people and how they look after their people. So if, from a talent management perspective, be prepared to answer that question in a um, concise and you know a good way as much as you, you can, because it will depend on whether a client. So although candidates will be desperate, or maybe not desperate, they will need the work that you, you probably got an offer. They will also, the, the best talent will look at things that are intangible. So it's not just about salary. It's not just about the job responsibilities. It is about the trust that the company builds because I want to work for an organization or used to want to work for an organization when I was uh, on a, an employee that has a, a clear company mission and values that are just that are just not posters on the wall that's something that is being lived by day to day and that's what's important to me and I think that's that is linked to emotional intelligence as well so it's not just you know something that is written on the wall uh, but definitely be prepared to answer the question of how you looked after your people, what happened to, to the organization or within the organization during the pandemic. Because, yeah, he, that's that's true. I, I wonder how, like, if an organization answered that with, oh, we just did cuts right away or something like that, mm -hmm. that I don't know if that would, you know, sit too well with somebody. Um, if that's kind of the answer that was given because it's like oh yeah but it's dependent though i guess it depends on it, de it depends on the situation obviously it's we're talking here about more about big business practices because uh, a good business practice is that you have a a runway that if you're customer base just dropped through the floor from 100% to zero overnight, you still should be able to function for at least six months with your all, all your overheads. If you're not, then we're going to say we're talking about business practices. So each business has opportunities to do it in a different way, but there are ways and means. Um, first of all, don't give into the herd mentality, something that I will be talking on a, um, on a little video later this week that I'll release um, about how in these situations we do go into herd mentality just because everybody else is putting people on temporary unemployment or furlough programs or uh, cuts or whatever, does that, 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 it doesn't mean you ha as an organization have to do the same. Look at your situation, look at your books and then decide what is the best course of action. Um, is it better to lay off uh, people straight away to protect the rest of the company? Or can you make an agreement that uh, you furlough, um, I don't know, 20% of your organization or everybody goes down to working three days a week instead of five? Because you can look at it. Do you, do you want um, a small amount of people, sorry, a big amount of people suffering a little bit or a small group of people suffering a lot by losing their jobs. So it's it's that type of approach, I guess, that we're, that we're looking for. So it's a difficult question to answer. But again, be honest. Honesty and transparency is the best way to attract good talent because the people that, you know, have got their wits about and they know what they're looking for and they're self-aware, that's what, that's the answers that they will be engaged and interested in. Mm. Got it. Um, I hope that answered your question. If anybody else has any other questions, please pop it in the chat as well. Um, that was that was a good one. It threw, <laughs> threw me off my uh, rant about my own emotional intelligence. But um, other than that, um, yes, thank, uh, thank you people for joining. I see like the numbers are rising and everything. So thank you so much for popping in and joining us on this episode and um, sharing your questions. I wanted to move on to 
another topic um, related to kind of the pandemic and emotional intelligence for leaders and everybody going through this at the same time, at, at this time. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on what do you think people should do in terms of um, the topic of finding fulfilling work in terms such as <sighs> trying to word this properly, but basically for candidates who are or, or for people who have lost their jobs or for people who are looking for new opportunities at the moment. Um, would you encourage them to kind of go into the job market right now and check it out or kind of take a step back and wait it out for a bit? Uh, it's very much dictated obviously by personal circumstances. If you can wait it out and you don't have a clear idea of what you'd like to do, what makes you get out of bed in the morning and so on, then yeah, definitely take the time. Um, if you're unfortunately in a slightly more unfortunate position where you do need to go out straight away, then absolutely, of course, do that. Um, the the market, the job market will change over the next uh, 12 to probably 18 months at the very least um, in terms of who dictates what's going on. Is it going to be an employee or employer market? Are you, I'm not 100% convinced how this is going to work. I'm, I'm kind of in two minds about it. Um, obviously, there will be the recruitment processes probably will not be as speedy as they as we would like them to because our companies will be uh, continuing to be a bit cautious in terms of what they can eke out of the current resources until the economic situation stabilizes. In terms of finding fulfillment at work, see, that is a fantastic question that I could probably spend uh, a day <laughs> talking about. Uh, I'll try and be as concise as possible. It always, always goes back to you as an individual. So um, you can't seek that in an organization. You can't expect that the company mission or the company values of the organization that you're working for will give you that. It's something that you have to mutually have in common. Uh, so you need to be aware of what what you know makes you tick in a way. I, you know, th there is a lot of analogies and sayings and people what people uh, like to to attribute to this. Um, I would say it's something that you you most of all enjoy. I find that it's it, it comes naturally to you. So if you're a pragmatic person, if you're an organized person, you know, project management, the management might be for you. If you're a naturally empathetic person, um, might something to be something along the lines of being a carer of some sorts. Um, so it's looking at what you really, who you are as a person is the key to this. So it, yet again, uh, I'll, I'm sounding like a broken record, it's, it's about self-awareness. It's going back to that, it's figuring out, you know, what do you like, what you don't like, what, what are you afraid of, what do you enjoy doing? So it's i'm i'm what you would say a generalist so i'm very good at a lot of things and i mean a very vast array of things in terms of what i can do but i'm not a, a clinical expert at any of them uh, even with project management i'm very very good at it but i wouldn't class myself as just you know this is the one skill one thing i'm i'm, I'm an expert at um so you have to look at it at uh, from from that point of view that you um I actually lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was going to also pop in and ask, what do you think about upskilling at this point? Um, have you had conversations about that with yes. anybody? 
definitely, definitely opportunity upskill. This, this is the prime time that you've got. So although you might have to be looking after your kids if you're in that situation, you also gained at least an hour and a half or, or two hours even longer, however you, your long your commute is. So you've regained that time. And um, yes, your your work your, your day is completely differently structured to what it used to be. But this is the time to upskill. There there are opportunities to learn everywhere, um, and it doesn't have to be upskilling in a, something completely new. Uh, it can be something to do with how you carry out your job, um, how you organise your and how you structure straight away. We you you will have to upskill because your work uh, structure will change. So you you're going from uh, a set, for example, nine to five to something that. It's a lot stretched out. It's asynchronous working and it's collaborative tools and things like that. So upskilling is, of course, it is. It will show um, your you you will stand you in a far better light at the end of this if you can demonstrate that you've learned X Y Z because you've utilised this time um, effectively. Do you have any um, kind of t uh, tips or advice for um, places to check for upskilling if we're talking about different? Like different fields of work other than um the usual of udemy and coursera and things like that do you happen to know of any other um resources people can check out i, t I tend to pick up a lot of things a lot of courses through uh, linkedin so i've spent oh. the, better, the better part of the last four weeks uh, through the people i follow on linkedin they do a lot of courses a lot of free webinars and stuff like that so i've been attending with at least four or five webinars of sorts um, pretty much every week and um, so that's that's the, the, the quickest and the, the cheapest way of doing it because it's for free then of course you mentioned udemy now uh, there's obviously linkedin courses as well uh, there is um uh linda but that's now linkedin actually so no that no longer is the case right mm. they put merge together right yeah exactly they merge together um so we mentioned school of life they, they've got a lot of free resources that you can use which is just kind of reading material rather than courses this to be honest there's so much for uh, so much stuff available so i would go more around searching for what your area is um and and and, and kind of taking down that route and looking down the line um, for perhaps like things that you have lined up for with human mm -hmm. PM and whatnot, do you have any, I guess, activities or any, any, any other webinars that um, attendees here can join mm -hmm. or hear about? Or if, would you like to share any of them or any other sure. resources that you put out? Yeah. Uh, so I will be having, so I run, normally run and work with companies on different types of workshops, uh, which is kind of um, directly dedicated and bespoke solutions for, for organizations. Uh, but in the coming weeks, I will be releasing a talk that I normally do at networking events, which is about emotional intelligence. So it will be, I've, I've decided to film it a few days ago, so it's now being edited. Um, oh. So that covers a bit of what we've been talking about here today, the, the background of emotional intelligence, why it's important, and it focuses on three uh, key um, skills that I believe, especially now, are relevant, which is communication, adaptability, and uh, ooh, What's the first one? And uh, confidence slash decision making. So that's very, very interesting from a um, uh, imposter syndrome point of view. Uh, if you, if you, if you're interested in like that. So, um, you, imposter so um, imposter syndrome is basically when we feel not good enough 
or we believe that we got into a situation like uh, we got a job and somebody will will find us find us out that we're frauds that we don't believe that we're good enough to do or be in the position that we're in which is a very interesting uh, situation where it can it can occur in social situations it can um, occur in professional situations where you sit you're in a meeting and basically you want to raise your hand to ask a question but your internal narrative talks you out of it because you're thinking oh that's a silly question or now they'll think I'm, I'm i'm stupid or they'll it's no it's not relevant and that's kind of what imposter syndrome is and i think it's a fantastic way of looking at it because the funny thing is we think that and the people in the room around us probably are thinking the same thing so everybody's thinking that somebody else is better it's you can link it to you know the, the social media instagram where we've got this life where everybody posts a snapshot of their life of how how amazing it is and somebody looks at it and goes and compares themselves to that so it's okay. something very very similar so i will be doing uh, a couple of talks on that i've got a couple of webinars that are being planned with other uh, people so similar to to what we're doing here but i also will be doing a webinar on emotional intelligence and also one on helping leaders to manage their remote teams through kind of times of uncertainty which again marries uh, some project management and emotional intelligence in one as well but the dates for that are not yet available Okay. Okay. So perhaps just follow you on LinkedIn or something to I do, stay yeah. up. To or okay. I'll, I'll put it on uh, human.pm, which is my website. Uh, so you can, you can try, you can find it there, but it will be in the next couple of weeks at the latest. Awesome. Awesome. Um, just one thing I wanted to ask about your, the webinars that, you know, like within your workshops and stuff, do you ever do activities with people um, that attend and, Yes, as, as much as possible. Obviously, it's easier to do it face-to-face uh, because -face, I've, I've done a bit, a bit of both. So the remote aspects that we've, we've now been pushed into, I'm uh, adapting and utilizing what I've, what the tool, the tool sets that I've got to be able to facilitate that. So I've done, I've got a lot of experience in doing it face-to-face -face within, within organizations, which works really nicely. And yes, it's about interactivity. So mm -hmm. I love to love to share my knowledge but obviously it works better when people get to do stuff and it has to be bespoke so i can talk to you about emotional intelligence which is great to give you the background but you have we have to do activities that will make you think about it from your perspective what does it mean to you and that will not just come from me talking at an audience so we do um, some interesting team activities and things like that but I was going to ask, like, how have you thought about ways to adapt it virtually or is that still in the works? It's it's easy to, it's easy to move to virtual because it's that you can use the same tools. It's just the the way it comes out is slightly different. So it, delivery of the tool is different because obviously you can't you don't have the body language that you can read off. And I'm a presenter that very much feeds off the vibe in the room, and I adapt to that. So I it's more the adaptation of me and how I deliver stuff rather than the tools themselves. Because uh, we're in this fantastic situation where we've got all the technology available and you can utilize zoom with for example muriel uh, or other collaborative tools where mm -hmm. everybody sees the same things and plays around and moves things around and it's nice and interactive uh, but it's about keeping people engaged because i think that's the key thing so it's my adaptation but also making sure that people because when somebody's put in front of a screen and is not in the room it's slightly different from a psychological point of view that we're not as engaged so for example 
some people might not you know switch on their camera and because there's 20 pe other people in the room they are just participating by listening and watching whilst at the same time i don't know doing the dishes or something like that which is fine if it's a webinar but if it's a collaborative workshop that's not going to work and i'm not going to be mm -hmm. able to see that so it's that people have to be 100 percent in it and invested and engaged I'm interested to hearing kind of like the learnings down the road after you do a couple of these and how you, you know, or, or what, what you learn to make mm -hmm. things more interactive and adapt adapting your presentation to people. Cause that's mm -hmm. something that um, I know a lot of other presenters as well. They're trying to figure out, you know, is it, it, it like what, what they can do to kind of bring back that human element yeah. through the screen. That's yeah. it. Um, yeah. One thing uh, we have we have to definitely accept it. It's not going to be the same. It's it's going mm -hmm. to. Be, I've worked with a couple of people, um, both uh, colleagues, clients, but also friends who have faced the same thing because they are in feeding of the room. They're fantastic presenters when they're in the same room with the participants, uh, but they with a big time struggle um, when how they have to do it online. And the thing is, we just have to accept it. It's not going to be the same. So we have to play around by making sure. So for example, breaking it up to smaller, smaller chunks. So if you do, I tend to do either one, one or two day workshops in real life, and that works really nicely. Um, no chance you can do that now at the moment. Um, you, you will not be able to keep people engaged and obviously they've got so much time and so much stuff to do. And if you've got a family, there's other things that you have to look after. So your day is, as we said, longer. Uh, you won't be able to spend and devote just that full time, full day to it. So you have to first learning, break it, break it down, make it, make it shorter, do it in two hour chunks uh, over a week or, or whatever. Um, and make sure that you've got breaks, make sure that you've used collaborative tools where people have to do the work. So it's easy to falls into the trap of just talking at the participants and it's equally true in real life as well but especially now so make sure that the participants are doing things um, as much as possible so collaborate collaboration and exercises and activities where they engage uh, with each other and with you um, is a must absolute must mm -hmm. no that that's totally true and um I mean, we have three more minutes left. If anybody has any other questions, please feel free to pop it in the chat. Um, speaking about collaboration and bringing people in the, um, the conversation. Um, but regardless, this is going to be posted. It is already on our Facebook, but it's also going to be posted um, on YouTube as well. So you guys can rewatch. Anybody can rewatch. You can share it with your audience as well, Lex. And yeah, um, before we end anything off, I mean, end the episode off for today. I wanted to ask if you had anything else that you wanted to share with the Fulfilling Work Live audience. Yeah. Well, first of all, my favorite saying is for everybody to look after themselves, but also, and probably most of all, look after the people. And you don't have to be a manager. You don't have to have people and you don't have to be an authority, but you can look to your left and look to your right and ask yourself and ask the people what you can do for them. So that's one thing that I'd like to impart on everybody is uh, think about yourself, but think about others. And, and uh, leadership is not a rank. Um, it's more kind of what you aspire to be and what you'd like to do. I'm always available. I, this is a topic that I've been absolutely in love with for, for a number of years. So I'm always available to answer any questions. Um, I don't know whether you've seen whether you're going to post any contact details, but feel free to drop me a, an email at LEC, sorry, email is lech at human.pm or just find me on LinkedIn or the website, wherever 
drop me an email, drop me a chat, a message, and we can we can have a chat if you've got any concerns. If you want to grab a virtual coffee, my, my only question is, do you take sugar or not? Um, and so we can, we, we can have a chat. Awesome. So I've inputted that in the chat for everybody to save. That, We're uh, also going to, um, of course, include the website and the resources on the captions area for the video recording. So people, you guys can access it as well. And um, uh, Lex, if you have any other resources that you'd like to email me afterwards, totally cool. And I can add that to the list. Um, so yeah, amazing. We hit our time. So thank you so much for joining us today and enter like entertaining my questions and being a part of Fulfilling Work Live. Really, really appreciate it. And um, we can talk further if you'd like about the about your questions that you had at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but shoot me an email and we can sure. arrange all that. Well, thank you very much for having me. I absolutely loved it. I can talk about this topic for years on end. So anyone who'd like to listen, I'm always very, very grateful. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.